the Lord is with you. Blessed are you amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Southeast Houston Cardiology is a proud sponsor of this Guadalupe Radio Network station and The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. Southeast Houston Cardiology has been serving patients with heart disease and vascular disease with up-to-date, compassionate, and comprehensive care for more than 20 years. Southeast Houston Cardiology has two locations, Webster and Pasadena. You can contact them online at southeasthoustoncardiology.com or 281-338-4004. Has Catholic Radio blessed you? Bless a friend. Tell them to listen to AM 1430 KSHJ, Catholic Radio for Houston. Pope Eugene IV, who appointed him as Archbishop of Florence in 1445. St. Antoninus entered the city with great pomp and he embarked on a mission to eradicate scandals and address the prevailing abuses within his diocese. Despite the influence of the Renaissance in Florence, St. Antoninus, along with whole other holy figures of the time, became a counterforce against the prevailing spirit. His actions and prayers played a significant role in curbing the momentum of the Renaissance in the city. And even Prince Cosimo de' Medici acknowledged the positive impact of his presence. While the ultimate success of his efforts may be debated, St. Antoninus' life serves as a testament of the importance of individuals responding faithfully to the divine call. Florence, with its potential for great spiritual renewal, depended on the collaboration and fidelity of its inhabitants to effect lasting change. St. Antoninus' example inspires us to embrace our vocation and faithfully pursue the plan entrusted to us by Our Lady, knowing that our response to grace can shape the course of history. St. Antoninus, pray for us. Happy Wednesday to you. Praise be to God. It is a great day to be here, especially on this wonderful Wednesday dedicated for the Easter season. Yes, we're still in the Easter season. There are still approximately a week, approximately a week of the Easter season because then we get an Ascension Thursday, and I guess it still technically is the Easter season. But we have Ascension Thursday coming up, and that's going to be very exciting, a holy day of obligation in many places. Um, we'll definitely talk about that when it gets closer to see if uh, perhaps it's a holy day of obligation in your area. You just need to find out. But it typically, it traditionally is a holy day of obligation. So start planning now. Are you uh, Where are you going to go to Mass on Holy Thursday? And let me know. I'd be very interested. But good morning to you, our producer, Tito Edwards. Good morning, Adrian. Yes, another wonderful day. Granted, it's heavy thunderstorms and dark clouds the last 36 hours here in the Houston area, but uh, I'm happy to be here. It's, uh, what is it, Camel Day, Hump Day, and uh, let's get the show rolling. Amen, amen. A lot of stories that are in the news that are very concerning. We're not going to be able to hit on everything, but at 15 past the hour, Tucker Carlson launches a new show. We'll talk about that. Uh, Disney invited a drag queen, Nina West, to Little Mermaid movie premiere. Are you still letting your family watch Little Mermaid and Disney? Your family Does your family subscribe to Disney Plus? Maybe not the best idea. At 30 past the hour, EJ and Tony with the Heritage Foundation will be joining us to talk about the housing market. 
incredibly concerning. I, pff, yikes. The housing market is absolutely awful right now. And there's a lot of things that are going on, and it's very confusing. So EJ and Tony will be joining us to talk about that at 30 past the hour. And, of course, in the next hour, we're going to have our Fear and Trembling Game Show with a prize from Catholic Answers Press. So thank you for, to them for being our sponsor this week. So a lot going on. You're not going to want to miss not one moment of today's uh, show of Catholic Drive Time. So a lot of things. So let's begin in prayer. We'll pray, of course, for whatever it is that you have going on in your life. We'll pray for our friends, family, benefactors, all those that we promise to pray for, for all your intentions. And in a special way, we pray for Peter Gabriel Navarro, who's uh, 26 weeks old and will be in the NICU for three months. So pray for a good recovery, good development, and that everything goes well for the, for him. He's a friend of mine's nephew. And a prayers for all Texans, especially those in Allen, Texas, and in Brownsville area. A absolute tragedy. Um, and we'll be praying for everybody involved and for the repose of the souls of those who died. Let's begin in prayer. We'll pray to the Subtuum. We'll pray to the Blessed Virgin Mary to assist us and aid us. An ancient prayer dedicated to Our Lady, written in the third century, maybe even sooner. But we'll begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Subtuum presidium confugimus, sancta dei genitrix, nostras deprecationes ne despicias in necessitativus, sera periculis cuntis libra no semper, verga gloriosa e benedicta. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Despise not our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers. O glorious and blessed Virgin, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Thank you, Adrian. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Wednesday, May 10th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. And these are your headlines. LifeSide is reporting New York Catholics are outraged by the blasphemous transgender art exhibit at, the, at a Manhattan church. A Catholic church in New York City has blasphemously placed a painting series entitled God is Transgender, a queer spiritual journey next to its altar. The paintings displayed at the Church of St. Paul the Apostle in Manhattan run by the now notoriously liberal Paulist Fathers espouse the idolatrous and heretical ideas that we can make a God according to our own liking and that there is no devil. CatholicCulture.org is reporting the Sisters of Charity of New York have announced a path to completion will no longer receive new members. The Sisters of Charity of St. Vincent de Paul of New York will no longer work toward finding nor accepting new members to our congregation in the U.S., the Religious Institute stated as it announced its path to completion. The 154-member institute has had no new vocations in the last 20 years. I guess they got Vatican II'd. That CatholicCulture.org is reporting Chinese bishops still detained two years after protesting illicit ordinations. Bishop Simone Zhang Jinlan, the vicar general of the Xuanhua Diocese, remains imprisoned two years after he was arrested for public statements protesting canonical irregularities in the ordination of priests. Asian News reports that governmental officials have to date ignored pleas for their business bishop's release on humanitarian grounds since his 90-year-old mother is seriously ill. And finally, LifeSide is reporting Tucker Carlson to relaunch his show, post it directly to Twitter after being ousted by Fox. 
Tucker and Elon began trending Tuesday afternoon on Twitter after ousted Fox News host Tucker Carlson posted a three-minute video to this social media platform announcing he will begin uploading a new version of his show directly to Twitter. The video, the video comes days after Axios suggested Carlson and Elon Musk, Twitter's new owner, had a, had a conversation about working together. In the short video, Carlson blasted mainstream media outlets for misleading audiences by withholding key elements in every story that matters every day of the week, every week of the year. Uh, on a side note, Elon Musk has, de has denied that they have a business deal yet. Those were your headlines this morning. May God bless you all. The Gospel of the Day comes from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and it is my Father who tends it. The branches that yield no fruit in me he cuts away. The branch that does yield fruit he trims clean, that it may yield more fruit. You, through the message I have preached to you, are clean already. You have only to live on in me, and I will live on in you. The branch that does not live on in the vine can yield no fruit of itself. No more can you if you do not live on in me. I am the vine, you are its branches. If a man lives on in me and I in him, and he will yield abundant fruit. Separated from me, you have no power to do anything. If a man does not live on in me, he can only be like the branch that is cast off and withers away. Such a branch is picked up and thrown into the fire to burn there. As long as you live on in me, and my words live on in you, you will be able to make what request you will, and have it granted. My Father's name has been glorified if you yield abundant fruit, and prove yourselves my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Cornelius Alapide had... 30 minutes worth of commentary on this passage. So we're only going to scratch the surface of what there is to mine from this passage. It's incredibly in depth and very meaningful. So I highly recommend you looking up Cornelius Lapide commentary on the gospel and reading this whole thing because it is totally worth the time. Now, in verse 1 here, he says, I am the true vine. The Greek is the vine, the true the Syriac is, I am that vine of truth. This is very interesting because in our English language, we kind of will say, I am the true vine. And we say, okay, he is a, he is a real vine. That's what he means, right? Which and then the, the Protestants will come in and be like, oh, see, that's analogous the same way that in John 6, whenever he says, I am the bread of life, that he's being analogous here. But the Greek renders it, the vine, the true, and the Syriac renders it, I am the vine of truth, meaning that he is talking about him being truth itself. Now here going on, Cornelius Lapide goes on and says, Christ here sets forth the parable of the vine and the branches with the, the, this end in view, to teach the apostles that they must abide in his faith and love and not depart therefrom in consequence of his impending passion and death. You will inquire why Christ compared himself to a vine rather to an apple or a nut or some other tree. Moreover, there were two peculiar and chief reasons why Christ here compels himself to a vine rather than any other tree. The first was that Christ had just previously instituted the Eucharist and under the species of wine had given the apostles his blood to drink. 
and had left it to be drank by the faithful throughout all ages, that they might glow with his love as with new wine and overcome all temptations. Wherefore, since shortly before he had admonished the apostles to persevere in his love, even when they say, even when they saw him betrayed by Judas and crucified and slain, so now he inculcates the same by the parable of the vine. Thus, as the branch always inheres in the vine, it cannot be torn from by, its, by cold or tempest, so that it should not bear fruit. So likewise do ye, O my apostles, abide in my love. Neither do ye fall away from believing in and loving me because of my passion and death. For so will ye bring forth great and abundant fruit. Now the other reason was because Christ was now going to his passion and death upon the cross, which the vine with her grapes very excellently represents. For as the choice wine is expressed from the trodden grapes, meaning those who you smash the grapes, you step on them. So also from Christ trodden in the wine press of the cross was expressed the blood which redeemed the world. Christ here alludes to what Jacob foretold concerning him in Genesis 49:11, binding his colt to the vine and to the grape tree. O oh my son, his she-ass, he shall wash his robe in wine and his cloak in the blood of the grape. His eyes are more beautiful than wine. It's a very poetic but a fulfilling prophecy in our Lord. Now you will ask further why Christ is called the true vine. Euthemius answers because he brings the fruit that is truth. The same Euthemius says, because he is the excellent, incorruptible, and spiritual vine. He would say, I would say that Christ is called the true vine because he truly has the nature, properties, and qualities of the vine. For as true vine produces true branches and true grapes, so does Christ bring forth true believers, true virtues by his grace, which he instills in them by his wine-bearing sap. Now, this implies that there are false uh, the, there are false disciples, and there are false beliefs and false virtues. This we see most clearly in what we, we call, and colloquially, we say uh, virtue signaling. It's the signal of virtue without actual, actually having real virtue. It's a simulacrum of virtue. Now, Cornelius Lapide says, he says here, of the vine of Sodom, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, is their vine, and of the, and of the suburbs of Gomorrah, their grapes of gall and of most bitter cluster. Their wine is the gall of dragons and the deadly venom of asps. This is very, very telling. And let us be truly grafted to the true vine. So that way we may bear good fruit and not the fruit of Sodom. We'll be right back with more after this. Hey, Donnie, in what gospel do we find the Hail Mary prayer? The gospel of Luke. Do we worship Mary? No. What do we do? Ask her to pray for us. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Could there be just one word that truly sets the Catholic Church apart from all other churches? Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keep and welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Um, there 
are a lot of stories that are very concerning in the news today. And one thing that uh, I thought was very interesting, something worthy of discussion, is uh, this this the news that came out with Tucker Carlson. And I wanted to play that for you and see if we are able to do so today. But the uh, before we get into that, though, I just want to share this. I won't comment too much about it, but I just thought it was interesting. Sister Marie Augustine out of Pennsylvania had posted this on Twitter, and I thought it was very interesting in regards to a lot of comments recently made by Pope Francis in regards to traditional Catholics and a lot of the things that were coming out recently. We might have a longer conversation about this topic, and that'll probably come up sometime soon. Maybe we'll get uh, Joseph Shaw or someone else to come in to talk about that. But I thought this was very interesting. She posted two quotes uh, from popes, one from Pope Pius XII, and one from Pope Francis, and put them side by side. Very interesting, really. Uh, Pope Francis here is quoted, Be aware of rigidity. It is a perversion. Behind the rigidity, there is no Holy Spirit. Now, he, she puts next to this passage a quote from Pope Pius XII. Behind those who accuse the Church of Christ of being rigid, there is only the perversion of the false prophets who attempt against the truth of Christ himself. I think that's very, very interesting uh, to see that comment being made, uh, seeing uh, what the perception of rigidity between uh, Pius XII and Francis. Francis says, beware rigidity. It's a perversion and there's no Holy Ghost. Pius XII says, beware those who accuse the church of being rigid. And it's a perversion of the false prophets. I think that's very, very interesting and uh, something that is worthy of, uh, of note. But let's go into the story about Tucker Carlson. I want to play this clip for you of Tucker Carlson talking about uh, his uh, position of creating a new show with Twitter. Uh, let's see if uh, Tito is able to, to play that for us, the clip from Tucker Carlson talking about him partnering kind of with Twitter. We'll get into that in just a second. Uh, Tito, do you have that up? Okay, we will move on to a different story. We might come back to that story. Uh, so let's see. Let's talk about this story here. Disney invited a drag queen, Nina West, to Little Mermaid movie premiere. Um, this is very concerning, especially considering the fact that Disney is a brand that's primary audience is supposed to be targeting children. Now, how can a brand that primarily targets children be allowed to market all these perversions it's actually quite disgusting and my question to you is do you still purchase disney plus do you still take your kids to see disney movies do you still go to disney world and disneyland why do you do this why do you do that whenever these people hate your family they hate you and they want to pervert and corrupt your children why do you allow that i'm very curious and it's very interesting because Disney's audience, it seems that it should be children, but a lot of the time it seems to be childish, infantile adults. And it's uh, very concerning, really. I've seen, I see so many people that are my age or even older who are still obsessed with Disney. And, you know, they're just like the, it says in, uh, in Psalms that they, whenever you're a child, you do childish things. 
when you become a man, you put away childish things. The same thing is true today. It's fine to enjoy childish things as a child, but when you grow up, you should probably get rid of those things. But let's get into the story. Uh, published by TimCast.com, reported by, let's see, Cassandra McDonald. It said, the drag queen, whose real name is Andrew Levette, has become a staple of Disney ch- children's programming. Did you hear that? Become a staple of Disney's children's programming. That's very concerning. The 44-year-old drag performer rose to fame after competing on RuPaul's Drag Race. On Monday, Levette walked the blue carpet at the Dolby Theater in Hollywood with actress Melissa McCarthy, who plays Ursula the Sea Witch. In a post to Instagram with video from the red carpet, Levette wrote, Thank you, Disney, Disney Studios, Disney Animations, and Disney Little Mermaid for having me tonight and allowing me to share in such a magical celebration. Levette wore an over-the-top costume inspired by Ursula. Uh, McCarthy has said that she took inspiration from drag queens for the villain's character. Yikes. There's a drag queen that lives in me, McCarthy previously told Entertainment Weekly. I am always right on the verge of going full-time with her. To keep the humor and the sadness and the edginess to Ursula is everything I want in a character. And frankly, everything I want in a drag queen. I'm a huge, huge fan of drag shows and the whole art of it and the entertainment of it, McCarthy said. Nothing that she has been going to shows since I was not supposed to be going to shows. Levette previously hosted a Disney Plus. Notice this. Levette previously hosted a Disney Plus LGBTQ Pride concert in 2021 as Nina West, during which classic Disney songs were reimagined with LGBTQ themes. Again, I ask, do you have a Disney Plus account? Why don't you cancel your Disney Plus account and let Disney Plus know why you're canceling it? Cancel it, send a message to them and say, hey, I do not appreciate uh, perverting my children, and so I am going to cancel my Disney Plus account, and I do not want any more of this going on. Now, Levette has also authored a children's book titled The You Kind of Kind and starred in a video of Nickelodeon explaining the meaning of pride. Now, here's the other thing about this. Why is it that these drag queens are always targeting children? Why do they desire an audience of children? Why is that? It's very interesting, don't you think? Disney has increasingly included LGBTQ themes in their content, Disneyland will also be hosting its first ever Pride Night to celebrate LGBTQI plus community and allies in June to honor Pride Month. I think that no person who has any sort of reason should take their kids to Disney anymore. If they're going to be hosting this, well, it's the uh, get woke, go broke uh, schematic right here. Uh, How about if all of us stop going to Disney World, stop going to Disneyland, Stop buying their products. Stop paying for Disney Plus. Stop going to see their movies. Stop buying their merchandise. This will hurt them. They their target audience. It's like if uh, hypothetically, if Bud Light decided to sponsor a transgender, a transvestite, and whenever their target audience is actually middle class men and working class men, and they start to do that instead. And it'd be like if they did something crazy like that. That's what Disney's doing. 
Disney saying, our target audience is children, so we're going to endorse homosexuality, uh, transgender perversion, transvestitism, drag queens, and all the kind of perversion. It is, how does that make sense? And then how do we support that? How do we end up in our good conscience supporting those kind of things? And it goes on, this After Hours event includes themed entertainment, Disney characters, one-of-a-kind photo opportunities, specialty menu items, event merchandising, and more. It begins a three-hour pre-party mix-in from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. and then a private party from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. Very, very concerning. Now, many of these things here, it says Pride Night uh, Cavalcade featuring Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Clarabella, Donald Daisy, and Goofy dressed in special attire as they make their way through the heart of Disneyland and, and down the parks and Main Street. Very, very concerning. I don't think any person of goodwill should be supporting Disneyland or Disney World. And, you know, it's kind of crazy because the Catholic bishops used to have great power and sway over the movie industry. They were able to shut them down with the League of Decency. And every Catholic would pledge at church, at church, they would pledge to not attend movies and not support movies that would be that would be denigrating to values that would be against decency, which is why they were called the Legion of Decency. We need that now more than ever before. We need that now, now uh, more than ever before to have a sort of Legion of Decency that stands up and says, this is perverted. This is pedophilic. And I will not give my money to it. I will not support it. And not only will I not support it, but I will actively discourage others from doing so as well and create a culture of shame surrounding it. You see somebody with a Disney and it's something Disney branded and I would respond, oh, oh, wow, you support uh, the uh, perversion of children? And they'd be like, oh, what, what do you mean? I well, you're wearing a Disney hat. Oh, no, no, I just like Disney. Well, you do know Disney is perverting children and supports uh, pedophilia and transgenderism and transvestitism. And they would be shocked. A good kind of shame is good. To shame things that are bad is good. People should feel ashamed for doing things that are negative, that are bad. And if you're feeling shame for doing good things, that's bad. If you feel shame for not taking your kids to drag queen shows, that's bad. And we should reject that kind of shame. Very, very important now, one thing that I wanted to bring up is this other thing, some good news. Let's start with some good news for, for once. Uh, San Antonio voters overwhelmingly reject radical pro-abortion and pro-marijuana referendum. Way to go, San Antonio. Y'all rock. Very much appreciate San Antonio. They overwhelmingly reject radical pro-abortion, pro-marijuana referendum. They uh, Thank you very much to LifeSite News for reporting on this. Uh, the second largest city in Texas rejected a pro-abortion leftist referendum during Saturday's local elections. Uh, Proposition A garnered only 28% of the vote on Saturday, with almost 72% voting no on the referendum, which included several leftist agenda items concerning marijuana, abortion, and woke crime policies. Now, I won't have time to go into the details behind this situation, but this is very good. This is a very positive message. Because we always hear about this, this secret, silent majority that actually has reasonable ideas. And this always made me a little upset. Because if we have a silent majority, why are they silent? It's time to stand up. If not now, then when? If this is not the hill to die on, then what hill is it? 
And just because this is the hill to die on doesn't mean that we will die. Instead, let us take the hill and advance to the next one. And the only way we could do so is by this silent majority standing up and resisting and having a counter-revolutionary mentality and going against these evil perversions. 72% voted no. That's the majority, the vast majority, the vast majority of people in that city. And San Antonio, which is kind of renowned for a lot of liberalism, not as bad as Austin, but there's a lot of liberalism in San Antonio, and yet we saw this good thing. So praise be to God, you rock San Antonio. I love, we love to hear it. And I think that's, we want more good news like that coming out of every single city. And I hope this doesn't come to, uh, to places like Houston, Dallas, Austin. And if it does, well, then the local people need to do local things. That's the principle of subsidiarity. Your local home, your local community, you should stand up and defend. You don't want to uh, fall over and just reject the good things that we do, the good things that we can do. All these things are possibilities for us. The principle of subsidiarity demands that we rise up and defend our principles, defend our lives, our livelihoods. So that's something very important to keep in mind, something that we want to think about, something that we want to work on, all these different things. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the housing market. EJ and Tony with the Heritage Foundation will be on with us to talk about the housing market. Very concerning. Do you want to buy a house or maybe one day you want to buy a house? Well, how is that going to happen? All this and more coming up next. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question if you're a non-Catholic friend. The book of Esther does not mention the words God, Lord, sin, Savior, salvation, heaven, or hell. Are you sure it's supposed to be in the Bible? Martin Luther said no. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a promise. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would guide the apostles into all truth. Those early church fathers, popes, bishops, synods, and councils were all under the influence of the Holy Spirit as they discerned which writing should or should not be in the Bible, and Esther was included. Secondly, for a writing to be understood as divinely inspired and worthy of canonicity, it was not a necessity to contain any theological explanations. And thirdly, a tough comeback. Oftentimes we deceive ourselves by wanting to trust that very contemporary and subjective term called the inner witness. Our own arrogance can blind us. The feeling of, quote, an inner witness is as dangerous as standing at the edge of a windy, jagged cliff. So on a religious feeling, don't just immediately buy into passionate testimonies, new truths, or prophetic texts. That four-letter word, feel, will get you every time. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back. All right, welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Wednesday, May 10th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. And these are your headlines for this morning. LifeSide is reporting the Biden national security document, a, is reporting a Biden national security document depicts Christian pro-lifers as domestic terrorist threat. Pro-life women could be a potential domestic terrorism threat, according to the national security planning documents obtained by the American First Legal. 
One planning document comes from the Department of Homeland Security's Office of Counterterrorism and Threat Prevention and is dated January 29, 2021, just nine days after Joe Biden took office. CatholicCulture.org is reporting the New York Archdiocese is investigating the pro-trans parish art exhibit. A spokesman for the New York Archdiocese questioned about a parish art exhibit entitled God is Trans, a queer spiritual journey, said we had no knowledge of it beforehand. Breitbart News is reporting a jury in New York found former President Donald Trump liable Tuesday for sexual abuse and battery of writer E. Jean Carroll three decades ago, though not liable for rape and awarded $5 million in civil damages against him. The jury also found Trump defamed Miss Carroll in his reactions to her lawsuit, which was encouraged by anti-Trump lawyer George Conway and backed by Democrat mega-donor Reid Hoffman, an associate of the late convicted sex criminal Jeffrey Epstein. And finally, LifeSide is reporting Oklahoma bans state businesses with BlackRock, other financial companies over environmental, social, and corporate governance policies known as ESG. The Oklahoma State Treasurer's Office has announced that it will bar 13 major financial institutions, including BlackRock, J.P. Morgan, and Bank of America, from doing business with the state over their boycotting of energy companies in the name of so-called ESG standards. Last year, Oklahoma enacted a law requiring it to divert from companies that boycott the fossil fuel industry and the treasurer's office subsequently sent inquiries across the corporate world as to which companies had such practices. I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And hopefully joining us in just a moment will be EJ and Tony. We're going to be talking about the housing market crash and uh, what to expect there. A lot of very concerning things. And, you know, I've just been watching a lot of videos on the housing market. I've been reading a bunch of articles on the topic. And it all looks pretty insane to me. And it's very difficult to understand. It's uh, There's a lot of nuance and confusion surrounding the story. So uh, definitely be a good conversation to have uh, coming up hopefully soon. Uh, until he comes in, I want to talk about this story as well. The Texas lawmakers advance bill to raise age of buying semi-automatic rifles to 21. That's very concerning. This is reported by the Epic Times or Epoch Times. I never actually know what the correct pronunciation is. I think it's e- Epic. But here it talks about raising the, it says here, Texas state lawmakers advance a bill on Tuesday that seeks to raise the minimum age to purchase a semi-automatic rifle to 21 just days after mass shooting in Allen, Texas. Two Republicans of the House Select Committee on Community Safety joined the committee's Democrats to approve moving House Bill 2744 to the full chamber for a vote. This move seems as a small victory for gun control advocates despite the bill being unlikely to pass by legislative legis- uh, the conservative legislature and become law. Now, I don't want to get too much into the actual uh, case of the shooting. We talked about that yesterday, and there is definitely things that uh, we want to learn about more before we comment about the situation. And so here, let's talk about this. Representative Sam Harles, so we're going to talk about the this bill instead, because I think there is a, a lot of things that I think we should note, because this bill is going to say, that we're going to have voting or not voting. We're going to have guns being restricted to 21. 
semi-automatic guns. Now, semi-automatic rifles are very, very common. An AR-15 is very, very common. But my question is, why 21? That's my question. And so the reason I ask this is because my, my principle when it comes to mass shootings or any kind of crime that we see committed, and someone comes out and they say, this is what we must do to fix it. I say, okay, let me hear you out. You have an idea of how we can fix a problem. Tell me, explain to me how that works. So people are saying, all right, well, we just had this mass shooting in Allen, and the way to fix this problem is to raise the age of buying a gun to 21. Okay, would this have prevented the shooting? Okay, well, we look at the case. The gunman in the Allen shooting was 34. So how on earth would this even affect this particular case? It would literally do nothing. It is a do-nothing policy that restricts our freedoms in favor of more government control that would have prevented nothing. Now, at least if they said, well, we should raise the age to 35, at least they'd be saying, okay, well, there's a very particular reason for doing so. It may have prevented the shooting, but of course it's absurd nonetheless, but at least it would have had some kind of logic behind it. Whereas this law literally would not have prevented anything. Uh, the second thing to note is that law-abiding citizens do not break the law by definition of what a law-abiding citizen is. So it's absurd to say things like, oh, if we just ban, raise the age of 21, then these shootings will go away. That's not how these things work. If someone is willing to kill people, what makes you think they're not willing to break other laws? That's very, very absurd and a very simplistic view of the world. The other thing that I think is worthy of note is the idea behind these, uh, these uh, gun control laws is the age of 18 versus 21. What changes between 18 and 21? My idea here is that everything needs to be consistent. We should either have all of our laws be restricted to 18 or all of them restricted to 21 and just be consistent about it. If you want to say, okay, you can vote at 21, you can drink at 21, you can smoke at 21, you can buy a gun at 21, all these different things, and I'd be like, all right, at least that makes sense. But our current laws is like, okay, you get your driver's license at 16, you can drink at 21, you can vote at 18, you can listen to the Army at 17. It, it, it makes no sense whatsoever. So I think all these different laws should be addressed at some point, and we should try to uh, nail down some consistency in our laws. But joining us right now is E.J. Antoni. He is with the, the Heritage Foundation, an expert in housing markets as a research fellow for the regional economics at the Heritage Foundation with a wealth of knowledge and experience in, in fiscal and monetary policies. He's been featured on places like Fox, Wall Street Journal, and CNBC. Uh, good morning to you, Mr. E.J. Antoni. Uh, right now, I cannot hear you at the moment. Uh, we'll make sure we'll get uh, Tito working on that to see if we can hear you. Uh, but once we get you on, we'll jump into this because this is a very, very concerning situation that we've seen. I've been I was speaking a second ago about how absurd our, the housing market is right now where everything seems to be utterly insane. And it gets very confusing very quickly because we have situations with places like BlackRock, Blackstone, Fundrise, and many other organizations seemingly buying up a lot of these houses. And how does that affect people who are rich, people who are poor, people who are middle class? 
all these different things are occurring, and it's very concerning to see how and why these things happen. Um, let's see, EJ and Tony, are you there? Can we hear you? No, not quite yet. Not quite yet. Uh, we'll work on that and uh, get that taken care of. Now, the other thing that I think is very interesting was these uh, stories were starting to hear about these organizations like BlackRock and Blackstone, which amongst people who were in the financial sector, people who are in the housing markets in terms of uh, in terms of working for brokerage firms like that, always knew these people existed. But for your common man, myself included, I didn't know anything about these organizations. I've never even heard of these organizations. And it was only in the last year where I've actually become aware that these people exist and that they have been doing the things that they are doing. It's very, very concerning. And on top of all of this, this all this happens, and Biden puts out a, a plan to penalize responsible home buyers, which is a very, very confusing situation. I'm, I struggle to try to see the logic behind what they do there. There we go. We can hear you. Perfect. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Antoni. Uh, we can hear you now. Uh, feel free. I threw a lot out there. I don't know if you could hear me. Uh, but uh, feel free to pick up on whatever you think uh, should be picked up on first. No, no, I, I, I'm sorry. You, you go right ahead. Oh, no, absolutely. So let's start here. Uh, the housing market, we're, we're about to go to a break in about a minute and a half. Uh, but explain to me the situation, uh, like a, gen a general overview of what the situation is currently. In, in the housing market. So uh, essentially what we're looking at is an environment where the Federal Reserve has drastically manipulated uh, both interest rates and, and therefore the housing market because they were trying to finance trillions upon trillions of dollars of unfunded government spending from 2020 up until just very recently. And now they are belatedly trying to fight the inflation that they helped cause by increasing interest rates. And it's having precisely the opposite effect on, on housing that it did previously. So instead of causing this huge increase in demand, which drove up prices, it is now uh, causing demand to pull back drastically. And we're starting to see some of those some of those prices come down. Very, very interesting. I, it's interesting that you say we see the house's prices come down because the it feels like the exact opposite is the case. And uh, in your article, you talked about uh, why are we raising home buying costs for responsible borrowers? So maybe the costs are going down, uh, but the route people are paying is going up. Uh, we'll talk about this on the other side of the break. We'll go to a break real quickly. When we come back, a lot of things to cover. We'll see how much we can get through. But all this and much more coming up on Catholic Drive Time. Stay with us. We're going to be talking about the uh, <laughs> these higher costs for people with good credit. How does that make sense? All this and more when we come back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early church fathers ever wrote any 
like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback. That Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. Hey, Donnie, name four of the seven sacraments. Baptism, confession. That's right, reconciliation. Communion and confirmation. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, there's a lot of very concerning situations happening in the housing market. Uh, let's start here. E.J. Antoni with the Heritage Foundation is joining us. And let's talk about this situation, the rising cost for home buyers, for responsible home buyers. And it seems as though the situation is, and you can explain this to me, that if you have good credit, you're going to be paying more. And if you have worse credit, you're going to be paying less. Is that exactly, is that what, what I'm hearing here? I explained this to me, Mr. Antoni. Sure. You know, Adrian, in a, in a nutshell, that's absolutely correct. Because, you know, to, to piggyback on, um, on what you said at the end of the last segment, how on earth is it that, that we can actually be seeing some of these home prices going down across the nation and yet people's monthly payments are going up? It's a function of two additional things. Number one, interest rates going up, right? Because, uh, your monthly payment is a function, not just of your interest, of your, of your home price, but also your interest rate. But on top of that, people don't realize how many fees are rolled into the price of the home and also, uh, the interest rate that you're charged on your home so that you can pay off those fees over the life of your 15 or 30 year mortgage, let's say. And what the Biden administration is doing now in an attempt to, quote unquote, level the playing field and create uh, additional fairness, again, air quotes around something like fairness, is they are punishing people with good credit scores, people who have been good borrowers who have paid their debts on time. They are having to uh, pay additional fees. But the people with worse credit, the people who aren't putting down as big of a down payment, for example, they are actually being charged lower fees. And so what this does is it more or less uh, uh, equalizes interest rates, not entirely, but it reduces the disparity of interest rates between those with bad credit and those with good credit. But that's a but that's a good function of interest rates, right? One of the reasons why people with bad credit are charged a higher interest rate is because they're a greater default risk. And so banks are doing two things. Number one, they're discouraging people with bad credit from taking out large loans, uh, but they're also recouping the future costs that they will incur when some of those people with bad credit end up defaulting on their loan. This sounds eerily similar, by the way, to what we did in the in creating the subprime housing crisis, where we gave all of these loans to people who couldn't afford them, people with bad credit. Yeah, that is incredibly confusing. It seems a, a this kind of strange idea of egalitarianism, trying to make everybody the same and uh, <laughs> punishing people who are do the right thing. You know, in the same sense, we're, when we see this and people are asking, 
are we going to have are we going to come into a a housing crash but also just generally a marketing crash people think that a we're proposing a situation where it's going to be worse than the 2008 market crash uh do you think that this is something that is uh, foreseeable and and is that something that we should be prepared for in terms of the, our housings? You know, that's a really, really great question, Adrian. You know, one of the problems that we have today is the fact that people have, have loaded themselves up with a tremendous amount of debt because they were incentivized to do so when the Federal Reserve pushed interest rates essentially down to zero. And so people were able to get these massive mortgages that they otherwise would not have been able to afford. They were able to increase uh, the leverage in their in their household budget. And that is theoretically fine until inflation kicks in and you find that the amount you have to spend on groceries, for example, is eating into your budget elsewhere. And all of a sudden, people aren't able to afford these massive mortgage payments. And we saw something very similar, by the way, again, going back to the last housing crisis, uh, when oil ran up to 140 something dollars a barrel. And all of a sudden, because people weren't able to afford gasoline every week, they started cutting back elsewhere and they started missing their mortgage payments. So we, we are absolutely setting ourselves up for a potential disaster here. I personally, though, I'm getting much more worried uh, about commercial real estate. I think there are a lot more cracks in that market uh, and, and things are getting very, very scary there as well. And I think we're going to see a lot more defaults, a lot more delinquencies. Right. And actually, that was going to be my next question as regard to uh, property versus housing. We have the corporate sphere buying uh, the people trying to purchase things like apartments, people trying to uh, purchase um, office buildings and mall strips, things like that. And the same time, we're seeing housing at the same time. And we see these major companies, BlackRock, Blackstone, Funrise, et cetera, uh, coming in and swooping in to purchase a lot of these things. And for pennies on the dollar and getting to them before they even go to the, your, the, the consumer, you and I, is this, is this accurate representation and what are we, what are we seeing here? Well, once once again, this whole uh, this whole change that we've seen, where you have commercial interests coming in and and buying up whole neighborhoods, for example, uh, they're able to do that again because the Federal Reserve kept rates so low for so long. They literally made it cheaper uh, for businesses to borrow money than use money they had on hand. Uh, to to do things, whether it was buying back stock, whether it was buying capital, uh, buying houses to rent to people, whatever the case may be. And what's really sad is that by driving up the the price of housing so much, we have essentially created a, a permanent renting class in this country, almost like a group of second class citizens, people who very likely for the rest of their lives may never be able to afford their own home. They may be stuck renting literally forever. That's very sad. But it's also true. You know, that's interesting you say that because I was actually thinking about this exact issue of uh, people. What should the average person, if someone is a middle class family or maybe lower middle class family, should they hold off on buying? Should they try to buy now? Should they just rent? Should they lease? Should they? What is what is the uh, the strategy for trying to even be able to attempt to buy a house? Uh, Adrian, another great question. And, you know, this really depends upon everyone's personal situation. So I, I really encourage everybody here to take what I'm about to say with a very big grain of salt. Uh, but for the most part, 
what you want to do is always have a sizable down payment, no matter how much the Biden administration is going to punish you for doing so, right? With a higher interest rate, you want to have a sizable down payment. You want to borrow as little as possible. And obviously, you know, everyone would love to time the market and be able to buy when, when home prices are at their lowest before they, they run up like they did the last several years. Home prices probably are not going to bottom out for maybe another year or so. Again, a lot of this is going to depend on what the Fed does with with interest rates over that time um but you know again you don't want to buy a home at a time when interest rates are are up and home prices are also up you'd like to buy it when at least one of those two things are down and and one of the things that that people really need to avoid doing as best they can are these adjustable rate mortgages because a lot of people have have gotten into those over the last several years when interest rates were near zero when interest rates are that low, where can they possibly go? There's only one place and it's up. And even still today with inflation, we'll get the latest numbers out a little later this morning. They'll, sh they'll probably show an acceleration from March. I'm not sure interest rates have peaked yet. And if that's the case, you don't wanna be plowing yourself into a bunch of debt whose interest rate can increase further and therefore your monthly payment go up even further, even though the house you're getting is not any bigger, is not any newer, et cetera. Yeah, that always very much confused me uh, with the 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 interest rates change on you and the, also the appraisal of people's houses just rising the price even though nothing changed. That always is very very confusing to me how when when those things happen, it just seems like a bunch of backdoor confusion in my eyes, but here's another thing. A lot of people, especially people my age, I'm uh, 25, they are renting apartments because they want to move out of their family's home and things like that. But it, it kind of seems to me that we're in a situation that's very similar to that of maybe not quite as bad yet. Maybe it will be as bad or worse later. No one can predict the future. But it seems like the situation in the Great Depression where it kind of forced people to live in intergenerational homes in order to pay for things um, that they normally would not be able to. A lot of people don't want to do that, and so they go off and get apartments. And I think, personally, that that's setting themselves up for never being able to afford to buy a home or anything like that in the future. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Adrian, another really great point you make there. And I think one of the reasons why people have been artificially incentivized to do that, beyond the, all the cultural aspects, uh, is the fact that what inflation does is it decreases the value of your savings. And so it provides a very strong disincentive for you to save. For example, let's say you had uh, $1,000 saved up uh, at the end of 2020. Today, that $1,000 is only worth $8,500 in terms of what it could buy at, at the same time you, you originally started saving it. It's lost 15% of its value. Uh, and, and actually, let, let me correct myself. That's not uh, money at the end of 2000. That's uh, money. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. That is that is right. Yeah, it begin January 2021. Sorry, <laughs> had, a, had a mental lapse there for a second. So over a little more than two years, your money has lost 15% of its value. So if you're saving to try to buy a house, right, you're you have to think to yourself, why on earth would I do that? Why on earth would I allow that much value to be taken from me. And so when you're in, when when you're incentivized not to save but to spend, you'd much rather go out and get your own apartment for example and spend that money than save it and keep it locked away for a down payment let's say on a house when by the time just 2 years have elapsed, you need an additional 15% almost to get back to where you were. 
Yeah, that is an uh, insane thing about Seattle. I, I don't can't I, wrap my head around all these numbers, and uh, and when you say it that way, it's like, whew, like that is very, very concerning. I know my personally, my uh, my brother and my sister are both in this situation where they're just like, oh, I think I should just move out, get an apartment, or I could stay here, save up money, and it is a very, very concerning situation for a lot of people. Um, but last question, uh, where can people make sure that they keep in touch with you and find out things you're writing and learn more? Uh, because, you know, to stay informed is to uh, make good decisions. So where can people learn more and uh, stay informed on the on the market and in the economic situation? Well, the best place to follow me is going to be on Twitter at Real EJ Antoni. Uh, one of the things I do there is I actually go over all of these different data releases, whether they're from government sources or private sources. Uh, and so you don't have to. I spend my time reading through these things and I provide very, very short, sometimes one or two line summaries of all these things to help people stay informed so that they can understand what's going on in the economy and how it affects them and hopefully make better decisions for themselves and their families. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Antoni. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have. Uh, we'll have to have you back to talk more about the situation because there is much more we did not, we're not able to get into. Uh, but God bless you. God love you and have a great day. Thank you. You too. Absolutely. And that's going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. If you can join us in the next hour, we're going to be talking a lot more. And we're going to have our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we're going to be giving out prizes and you could win. So make sure you tune in. And remember, you can always connect with us. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. There you can find all of our information. Get in touch with us and be able to join our email list where we send out uh, clips from our show and much, much more. All this and more, go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you in just one moment. My heart wasn't really in um, my faith. There was more to life than what I was doing. I walked into the church and I really believed that uh, putting my hand in the holy water that it was going to bubble over and the church was going to collapse. And I was really nervous. I couldn't imagine life without being a part of the church. When I walk in the doors of the Catholic Church now, I feel alive, complete, and at home. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. Uh, first off, I'd just like to say um, I did uh, five years in prison in Texas, and thanks to the Guadalupe Radio Network down there and your ministry, there is a lot of us getting back on track. 
and especially a big thank you to all your donors who donate to the network and uh, it really helps a lot of us felons find the way and find that the, the Catholic truth and get back on track so really thank you for that the Guadalupe Radio Network radio for your soul Boldly proclaiming the truths of our Catholic faith. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, my name is Catherine and Valerie and Sarah, and we attend St. Maximilian Colby Catholic Community. And you're listening to KSHJ Houston, 1430 AM. Radio for your soul. Another great day on Catholic Radio. Have you heard of the story of Our Lady of the Rosary of Pompeii? A very interesting story that I think a lot of people may not have heard before. Or maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Uh, but I wanted to share that story with you and talk a little bit about it. Now, let's start with a little bit of a biography about this story. Uh, let's see here. This, this devotion dates from the year 1875. In that year, a disconsolate sinner, a lawyer by the name of Bartolo Longo, maybe you've heard that name before, was walking in the valley of Pompeii near Naples in search of a, a peace for his anguished soul. For those who don't know, Bartolo Longo was a Satanist. In fact, he was made a Satanic priest. A very interesting story that maybe we'll talk a little bit about here as well. Suddenly, an interior voice spoke to him. If you want to find peace, spread devotion to the rosary, for this is the way of sure salvation. Bartolo, touched by grace, resolved then and there to obey that counsel. The number of people who took part in the public recitation of the rosary he promoted every afternoon grew, and he went to Naples to find a suitable picture of Our Lady to feed the enthusiasm. There he providentially found and purchased a beautiful picture representing the Virgin of the Rosary with St. Dominic and St. Catalina. He enshrined it in a chapel in the valley, and the devotion to the rosary grew. And as well as surrounding regions, the miracles multiplied in the small chapel, and thousands of pilgrims came to touch and pray before the image of Our Lady of Pompeii. As the years passed, a great sanctuary was built, and the valley was renamed the Metropolis of the Rosary, and the invocation to the Virgin of Our Lady of Pompeii spread around the world. Now, this is a very, very beautiful story especially in our time of disorder. We live in a time of great disorder, a disorder within our own souls, disorder in our lives, disorder in the culture. But that interior voice speaks to Bartolo Longo and tells him, if you want to find peace, spread devotion to the rosary, for this is the way of sure salvation. A very, very important thing because Bartolo Longo, who was a wicked Satanist, he converted to the Catholic faith. He repented. He ended up becoming a third order Dominican and he preached the Holy Rosary for the rest of his life. A very wonderful story. 
Now, Professor Plenio Correa de Oliveira, he comments on this passage. He says, a coincidence here is very beautiful. One of the splendors and beauties of Rome is to see how paganism was buried and conquered by the church. The ancient and very powerful paganism left those colossal monuments and ruins, died and became entirely fossilized. But alongside those ruins, and sometimes even using structures the church built, Catholic monuments, paganism became a skeleton, and the church flourished there for 2,000 years. The same thing happened in the Valley of Pompeii. As you know, the city of Pompeii was completely destroyed in 79 AD when a nearby volcano in Mount Vesuvius erupted and buried it under lava and ash. The place became the famous for its archaeological research. Then in 1875, something happened in a valley in Pompeii that gave new frame to that deserted place. An old devotion reemerged among the Catholics there with an extraordinary life. As you know, the devotion of the rosary came from the time of St. Dominic. Therefore, from the 12th and 13th centuries, this devotion became so common among the people that it grew old, so to speak. But divine providence worked new miracles to give it new life and raise new enthusiasm for it. The famous lawyer, Bartolongo, who was anguished and wandering through the valley of Pompeii, heard that interior voice from heaven, telling him to disseminate the rosary, and his anguish would leave him. He resolved to follow that counsel, and from this, a grandiose church was built that because of one of the most important of Italy, the pontifical shrine of the Blessed Virgin of the Rosary of Pompeii. Italy is a country with many important sites of piety, but that church became one of its most famous. The devotion to Our Lady of the Rosary rebloomed with an extraordinary success. Here in Sao Paulo, Brazil, we also have a Church of Our Lady of the Rosary of Pompeii, which gave the name of Pompeii neighborhood. Churches and shrines throughout Europe and Americas took this name and spread the practice of the rosary, showing the continuity and perpetuity of the devotion of the church. There is something else worthy of note. A characteristic of the devotion to the rosary is that the faithful who adhere to it by a sort of instinct, without knowing exactly why, Everyone who has faith is favorable to the rosary. Everyone who has good spirit adheres to the rosary. And no argumentation is necessary to induce Catholics to like the rosary. This instinct stems not from mimicry or imitation, but corresponds to a very high design of providence, which wants those 15 mysteries of the lives of Our Lady and Our Lord to be meditated upon and prayed by all the faithful in that particular sequence. Our Lady wants this devotion following that sequence. You can see how this instinct of piety works by the following fact. There are rosaries that you have seen that are rings persons put on their fingers. On that rings are ten protruding gears and one cross. That wheel is turned five times around the finger to say one turco or of the rosary. A person can pray the rosary in this way, a method that I believe even has indulgences. But someone might be surprised if I were to say, let us pray the rosary. And then I were to pull that wheel from my pocket, you'd find it strange. It's how this instinct, it's strange how it, this instinct works. The devotion of the rosary is linked to use of an object Our Lady showed us when she requested us to pray it in various apparitions. 
She asked St. Dominic, St. Bernadette, and three shepherd children of Fatima, and many others to use a rosary similar to hers, that is, a long one when we pray. And even though the Holy See has granted indulgences for the use of the small finger wheel, the providential object to which the devotion of the rosary is linked, and it's preferred by the instinct in the chain of 50 beads, for the, Holy, for the Hail Marys interspersed with five beads for the Our Fathers, and preceded by five others, one for the Creed, three for the Hail Marys, and one for the Glory Be, at the start of the series of beads hanging uh, a cross. In an opposite sense, you can see the war the evil one wages against the rosary. Many religious orders used to have a rosary hanging from their cincture of their habits. The habits disappeared, and the rosaries along with them. The progressivist Catholics who hate the habit also hate the rosary. Whoever hates the rosary hates Our Lady, and whoever hates Our Lady is a child of darkness. This is how the opposite instinct works. You see that this instinct of Catholic piety discerns subtleties and delicacies of the feelings in these devotions, which are linked to the concrete object itself and can carry a blessing. During an illness which I ha where I had to remain in bed at my home, a person with bad spirit came to visit me and saw some of you young men praying the rosary in the entrance hall. He made the statement, These young men are very dedicated and amiable, but they stand around in a hall praying those big rosaries of one meter. You see that the, the, that the irritation this person had for the rosary was such that he became angry with the large rosary. This person would have been less upset with these young men if they had been using many rosaries. I've seen very small rosaries, but I do not like them very much. Someone could ask, so is there an importance in the size? I respond, yes, my dear friend, there is. As much as a person of bad spirits are irritated in the large rosary, we should be pleased by these large rosaries and use them whenever possible. Here we stress that neither the form of an object of piety is indifferent nor its size. They have a certain relation to the design of divine providence. Therefore, the good spirit of a man leads him to want these objects to be like this. Things of piety are like this. Even a small fragment of it is important. It is like a living organism. If I were to say to a person, come here and give your finger so that I can cut just a small fragment from it, he would jump back and say, what? A cut a fragment of my finger? Why this reaction? It is because since a finger is a living organism, even a small fragment of it has a great importance. So it is with a small fragment of the devotion to Our Lady. It is immensely precious to us who live from her mercy and hope our eternal salvation will come from her. And thus ends the uh, meditation by Professor Plinio Correa de Oliveira. Uh, Tito, what do you think about uh, that and the uh, devotion to Our Lady, the Rosary? I think that's very honorable and right to do. Uh, I really uh, detest the 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 uh, the. Certain people, you know, that uh, poo-poo the rosary. I, I've heard so many sad stories uh, post-Vatican II where a priest would, would bring a ceremonial end to praying the rosary uh, and telling them, we no longer do this, and then led his parishioners out to the, to the church garden and dug a hole and asked them all to bury their rosaries. What? That's, yeah. I had never heard that. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's, uh, I've heard it. Uh, it's, it's a... I've heard it from a friend who heard it from a parishioner who told them that. And wow. Yeah, it's it's very sad. But the rosary is so powerful in centering yourself. If you want to be centered, then do the devotions of the church. And the rosary is probably the most powerful weapon out there. It's it's a uh, weapon of mass conversion. 
Amen. I like Amen. that. I yeah. like that. A weapon of mass conversion. I like that. Especially the the double entendre with the word mass, too. Yes, there you exactly. Go. Yeah. That's excellent. You know, it's interesting, too, because you say that, and I heard stories about people doing that with, like, statues and things. I never heard it with the rosary. I completely believe it, though, because I've heard stories from priests back when they were in seminary in the 60s and 70s being told that they would uh, that they should not pray the rosary. Oh, my And goodness. it was a sign of a immature faith if you were caught praying the rosary in seminary. It, it Was that something because they were being nostalgic, maybe? I don't know the reason why they would say that, but nonetheless, I mean, it happened, and, <laughs> and it's crazy to think about. And I really like, my, my mother actually just made me a rosary, and it's a big rosary, a big blue rosary. I have it right over here just out of arm's length, so maybe I'll show it to everybody during the after show, but it's a pretty massive rosary and i love these massive rosaries with same here. solid beads that are not going to just break and snap on you with chain because it has greater symbolism it has a oomph to it it has a gravitas to it masculine very masculine and even even among women i think they should have these large rosaries as well like there is a certain a certain permanence about it yes and a permanence that that signals the holy rosary is permanent if you use a flimsy rosary that, that falls apart in your hands, what does that say about the devotion to the rosary? And I think a lot of people, they're willing to spend a lot of money going out to eat, on buying new things, on buying gifts for people, but they don't want to spend more than like 10 bucks on a rosary. They don't want to spend more than like $15 on a rosary. And I would encourage people, get a rosary that has some substance to it. Spend a little extra money and get a rosary that's going to last you a long time. A rosaries with real solid beads, with chain for the links, things that are going to last you a while. I, I just love that idea. Yes. If, if you pray the rosary often and, and you start out with, with a basic rosary, especially the, the thin, the thin uh, chain links, you end up breaking them because you pray so often. And so you look for maybe a rope or a thicker uh, metal chain, like you're, you're mentioning, Adrian, because you pray so often and you, you squeeze each bead as you're saying that the Hail Mary, it is a beautiful thing when you see people with those rugged rosaries around because you yeah. know they're prayer warriors. You know, it's interesting, too, because uh, Professor Plinio, when he's commenting on this, he mentions like the ring rosary, and there's many things similar to that, like card rosary, things like that. And he admits, he says, yeah, there are indulgences attached to them. It's good. If you're going to pray the rosary, pray the rosary. If all you got is 10 fingers, then pray the rosary with your 10 fingers. But there is a sublimity and a message that's sent when you have a rosary that is hefty and that has substance. So that's the uh, thing there for today. But let's jump into our game show, Fear and Trembling. You could be our contestant. What do you have to do? Just call in 877-757-757. 9424-877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back with Fear and Trembling right after this. Catholic Radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving, not so that I can sit there and say that I gave to GRN for any other reason, but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else 
who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. When determining specific moral truths, most Christian churches say they use the Bible. So it's safe to say that they have agreement on doctor-assisted suicide, abortion, contraception, and embryonic stem cell therapy. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a challenge for you. Speak with the five closest non-Catholic church pastors near to where you live. Inquire if they only use the Bible to determine their church stances on these issues. Secondly, my findings, there are some similarities on abortion, but varied with two key exemptions. No common stance on embryonic stem cell therapy, contraception was accepted by all, and no across-the-board agreement on doctor-assisted suicide. And thirdly, my comeback. Should these social issues of life really be determined through individual conviction? Well, maybe we should just leave the determinants of salvation up for grabs also. Remember, the ones Jesus called the least of these will always be in grave danger if their existence is left up to individual conviction. Finally, check the very stance of the Catholic Church on these weighty issues. It's impressive. Hey, Donnie, what are the mysteries that we pray on the rosary? Glorious, luminous, joyful, and sorrowful. There you go. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424 That's the number to call to be part of our game show Fear and Trembling where we give out prizes and you could win a very exciting day of course because there are many opportunities for you to win all you have to do is pick up your phone and dial 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four. Now you're maybe asking, what am I calling into? What's going on? Well, this is the Fear and Trembling Game Show, where I have three Catholic trivia questions, and the trick is that I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, I'm going to ask Tito the questions. He's going to have uh, seconds to be able to give me an answer, and you are going to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. Every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what could they win? Thank you, Adrian. They could win the fear and trembling prize for this week is from Catholic Answers. Father Sebastian Walsh's Heart of the Gospel. It's a book. In the Heart of the Gospel, Mr. Walsh demonstrates compellingly how these eight declarations from the Sermon on the Mount, known as the Beatitudes, make up the foundation, essence, and final goal of Jesus' teaching. They are as central to the gospel as the Ten Commandments were to the old law, a roadmap for navigating the new covenant. Available now from Catholic Answers. Thank you very much to for Catholic Answers Press for Indeed. that generous donation. Father Sebastian Walsh, he is a firebrand. Anything Father Sebastian Walsh puts out, I recommend wholeheartedly. I had the privilege of meeting him for the first time in person not that long ago. 
But if you want to be able to win that prize, what do you have to do? You have to call in 877-757-9424-877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show. We always take the first caller, and I'm looking over at the phone lines, and it appears that there are uh, opportunities uh, available, meaning the next person that calls in at 877-757-9424 will, in fact, be the contestant. And let me just say, I guarantee you, you'll get at least two out of three of these questions. At least two out of three. One of these questions is a little tricky, but I think you'll get that one too. But two out of two is pretty much guaranteed here. The number to call, 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four, and we looks like we have callers coming in. So if you do not get on the uh, game show today, then make sure you write down that number and put it in your speed dial, so that way you can be able to dial in and be the first caller in the future. And remember, you can always go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt to be able to get all that information. I've been told, Adrian, you talk too fast. Well, if you uh, want to be able to see that written down, well, make sure you go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. There you can get all of our information on how to join the game, the rules, all that information is available on our website. But joining us right now is Vicky. Good morning to you, Vicky. Good morning, Adrian. Uh, Vicky, you're, this is a, uh, you're a repeat caller, am I right? I am. You're from uh, uh, Irving, Texas, is that right? Yes, and I want to say Happy Mother's Day, um, Mexican Mother's Day. Hey, praise be to God. There you go. That oh, great. Now, now that's that, right. Now that I know, I'm re- I'm required to do something for my mom today. Thank you very much, <laughs> uh, Vicky. I appreciate. I'm sure my mom is appreciative, um, but now I got to go think of something to do. But uh, luckily, she listens go to get the show. Some so flowers. there you go. I'll go get some flowers. I'll go get some flowers. Bring them home, and I got to go bring some flowers to our Lady Guadalupe while I'm at it. Right. That's right. Amen. Amen. All righty, Vicky. Well, you're a veteran on the show, so you're familiar. But uh, before we jump in the game, are you doing anything special for Mother's Day today? Yes. What is it? What are you doing? <laughs> uh, going to eat sushi. Say again. <laughs> Going to eat sushi. Ah, going to eat sushi. I know um, on any celebration where it has to do with something Mexican, I, too, like to go get sushi. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Very good, Vicky. All righty, Vicky. Let's jump into the game show. I know you're a veteran. The question is, though, have you caught on to uh, Tito's trickiness or not? That will be the question, and we'll find out. There you go. There you go. Yes. (laughs) There you go. All righty, Tito. Let's jump into question number one. The question on the board. What does the field of blood or akeldama refer to? Wow. The field of blood or akeldama. Akeldama, I remember that. That's uh, it's the potter's field bought with the blood money. Uh, when Jesus, Jesus, Judas received the 30 pieces of, of silver for uh, turning him in. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. All right. I think I remember reading that in the Gospels yeah. once. Yeah. I never heard it referred to as a field of blood, but yeah. There you go. All righty, Vicky. 
15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is what does the Field of Blood or Akeldama refer to? Tito seems to think it's the potter's field bought with the blood money that Judas was paid for betraying Jesus. What say you, Vicky? Is he right? Is he wrong? What say you, Vicky, from Irving, Texas? Vicky, could not get your answer there. Yeah. Oh. oh, I'm sorry. Is I'm going to say he's right. She's going to say you're right. All right. Very good, Vicky. Praise be to God. You nailed it. Easy peasy. Yes, in fact, easy, the field easy. of blood, it's known as the field of blood because it was paid for by blood money. So there you go. That's why it was called the field of blood. And uh, it was wet, recognized even at that time. They were like, well, you, we can't use that for pretty much anything because that was bought with blood money. So let's go on to question number two, Vicky. Are you ready for question number two? I am. I have a feeling, because that really was the hardest question. I have a feeling you're going to get a three for three on this one. Uh, but though this one, uh, we'll see. We'll see. All right, let's jump into it. Question number two, Tito. Yes, sir. Question on the board. What prayer begins with the words, be very careful, listen carefully to these words, uh-huh. very careful, I believe in God. Oh, very careful. Huh. Well, first thing that comes to my mind is the Nicene Creed. So I'm I'm going with that. That sounds like easy peasy to me. Okay, you're going Nicene Creed. I'm going the from Nice yeah, Nicaea. The Nicene, Nicene. Creed. Yeah. Yes, also known as the uh, Nicene Constantinople Creed. That's it's too long, right. so everybody's like, I'm just gonna call it the Nicene Creed. That's right, <laughs> that's right. Alrighty, Vicky. A Truly a very tricky question for you. Uh, listen carefully to the words of the question. The question on the board is, what prayer begins with the words, I believe in God? 15 seconds on the clock. Tito seems to think it's the Nicene Creed, also known as the Nicene Constantinople Creed. 15 seconds on the clock, Vicky. What say you? Is he right or is he wrong? Vicky. Creo en Dios Todo Poderoso. Yes, the Creed. You agree? Are you sure? Yes. Okay, she agrees. Oh, Vicky! He tricked you. He tricky, tricked tricky. you. Very tricky. It is the Apostles' Creed. The difference uh-huh. is the Nicene Creed says, uh, I believe in one God. And the Apostles' Creed says, I believe in God. So the difference is the okay. word one. There one. you go. Okay. Yeah. Well, I learned <laughs> Very, very small difference. There's a, there's bigger differences later on in the creed, but the, the first line of the creed, very, very, very particular, but very good, Vicky. Uh, I, that was a tricky one. I probably would have fell for that one, too. I'd have been like, yeah. oh, yeah, obviously, it's the, it's the uh, Nicene Creed. That's what we say at match, right? And uh, I would have got tricked, too. But very good, Vicky. Uh, you are rocking it. You are uh, still in for one, and I'm sure at this one you're going to get right. Are you ready for question number three? Yes. Then let's do it. Question numero trace. Trace. Trace, which is Swahili for three. Swahili. Uh, Vicky knows. She speaks fluent Swahili, I'm told. Oh, yes. So the question is, what hymn of Thanksgiving is usually chanted after ordinations? Ah, you had me at Thanksgiving. 
today and I, from watching so many Catholic music videos, I know that. There you go. Today, I'm I'm pretty certain. Well, there you go. There you go. Te Deum, he says. Te Deum. Well, Vicky, the question on the board is what hymn of Thanksgiving is usually chanted after ordinations? A hymn of Thanksgiving is the the giveaway, says Tito. He says it is the Te Deum. 15 seconds on the clock. Vicky, what say you? Is he right? Is he wrong? What say you, Vicky, from Irving, Texas? I'm, I'm going to say he's right. She's going to say you're right. Way to go, Vicky. Praise be to God. You could not be tricked. It is, in fact, the Te Deum. You know, it's funny because uh, the Te Deum used to be memorized by the people in the Christopher Columbus, it said, when he was uh, saw land and they were heading for toward the land, they uh, the, all the people in the boat started chanting the Te Deum to give thanks to God that they they made it to the new world. So very good, very good. Something that we should all uh, learn to pray, learn to sing. It'd be a good good practice, I think. All righty, Vicky, you're in for two. Congratulations. God bless you. God love you, Vicky. Stay on the line so we can get your contact information. Thank you, guys. And happy Mother's Day to all mothers on uh, Mexican Mother's Day. There you go. So praise be to God. Got to go do something for Our Lady Guadalupe and to my mom this morning. Uh, maybe to my grandma, too, while I'm at it. But that's going to do it. Putting you on hold, Vicky. God bless you. God love you. And remember, Christ is risen. Going to put you on hold. And that's going to do it. If you can join us, hop on to our YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, and we can interact with you directly there. We'd love to chat with you. It's going to be a great conversation, I'm sure. Whatever it is you want to talk about. But if not, we'll catch you back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. There's a satanic invocation happening in Houston, and we're going to talk about it. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi. Today we celebrate Wednesday of the fifth week of Easter. We offer this Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for all those listening in Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our online viewers. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Ye sons and daughters of the Lord, the King of glory, King adored, this day himself from death restored. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. All in the early morning gray, 
went holy women on their way to see the tomb where Jesus lay. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. Father of mercy, who gave us in St. Damien a shining witness of love for the poorest and most abandoned, grant that by his intercession, as faithful witness of the heart of your Son, Jesus, we too may be servants of the most needy and rejected, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Some who had come down from Judea were instructing the brothers, Unless you are circumcised, according to the Mosaic practice, you cannot be saved. Because there arose no little dissension and debate by Paul and Barnabas with them, it was decided that Paul, Barnabas, and some others should go to Jerusalem to the apostles and presbyters about this question. They were sent on their journey by the church and passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, telling of the conversion of the Gentiles, and brought great joy to all the brethren. When they arrived in Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church, as well as by the apostles and the presbyters, and they reported what God had done with them. But some from the party of the Pharisees who had become believers stood up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and direct them to observe the Mosaic law. The apostles and the presbyters met together to see about this matter. The word of the Lord. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. I rejoiced because they said to me, We will go up to the house of the Lord, and now we have set foot within your gates, O Jerusalem. Let's go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. Jerusalem, built as a city with compact unity, to it the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. Go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. According to the decree for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord, in it are set up judgment seats, Seats for the house of David. Alleluia, Alleluia, 
Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Remain in me as I remain in you, says the Lord. Whoever remains in me will bear much fruit. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit, and everyone that does he prunes so that it bears more fruit. You are already pruned because of the word that I spoke to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit on its own unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit, because without me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown out like a branch and wither. People will gather them and throw them into a fire, and they will be burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want, it will be done for you. By this the Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. As you could tell, there has been a shift in the Easter season from focusing on these living encounters with Jesus risen to the Trinitarian communion to which we are called. All the readings uh, this week and next will be about that, about how the Most Holy Trinity calls us to communion with himself. This analogy of the vine is no different. There is the vine who is Jesus, the vine dresser, and the, who is the father, and the, the, the sap, or the bearing fruit of the, of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. And each age has a certain kind of pruning that we have to go through. Every generation of time in the church has its own trials, and this happens as a people, but also in the hierarchy of the church. The Pope and the bishops have, just as the first reading talks about how the, the, the trial of the early church was trying to discern what requirements the, the, the new converts would have. And thank God, it is not by circumcision that one enters the kingdom of heaven, but by hardships and difficulties, as St. Paul said uh, yesterday in the readings. And like I said, every generation has its own hardships, its own pruning that it has to undergo, just like St. Damien Molokai in Hawaii during the 1860s, that God was, he sent someone, sent St. Damien, to respond to that situation of leprosy. And that was what uh, St. Damien Molokai did he responded to the needs of the times and even said even if i have to to work with the lepers and die with them 
that the gospel may be proclaimed, that all may believe. This was the challenge of his time, and he, that's exactly what he did. He lived and worked and died with them, and he was buried back in Louvain in his home in, in Belgium, uh, Louvain, and he is a model for responding to the need of a time. What is God asking you? What is he asking the church today, and what sanctity are you called to to be the response of God in our times? Because you can be absolutely sure that if you can hear this, if you're listening in, you are called to be the saints of our times. And I think it's very clear because the severity of the sufferings of our times, we are called to a particular response of holiness in our generation that our past generation was not called to. And we have a particular kind of sanctity. You, you need a particular kind of patience today. And Jesus gives us that patience in the Eucharist by pruning us with his word. And let us allow him to, the vine, to grant us that fruitfulness and that, that, uh, that pruning of our generation. But also let us pray and ask the intercession of great saints like St. Malachi, and our Blessed Mother, the Mother of Saints, that we may respond to the challenges of our time. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that it may shine forth as a people made one and the unity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Particularly, we pray that God would raise up saints of our generation, holy men and women, intrepid apostles of the Lamb, to proclaim the gospel of God with joy and generosity. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our Holy Father, all bishops and priests, as they face the challenges of our times, that they may do so with wisdom, courage, and discernment. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our government leaders that they may not obstruct Christ and they may pass laws that are in keeping with the moral law written on every human heart. And particularly, we pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor, those who do not know God, those who do not want to know God, and that we may respond with generously to the needs of our time. For these we pray to the Lord. We pray for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary's, we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Alleluia, sing to Jesus, is the scepter, is the throne. 
Alleluia is the triumph, is the victory alone. Hark the songs of peaceful Zion, thunder like a mighty flood. Jesus, out of every nation, has redeemed us by his blood. Alleluia, bread of angels, thou on earth our food, our stay. Alleluia, hear the sinful, flee to thee from day to day. Intercessor, friend of sinners, earth's redeemer, plead for me. Where the songs of all the sinless sweep across the crystal sea. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that we may always find delight in these Paschal mysteries, so that the renewal constantly at work within us may be the cause of our unending joy through Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation at all times to acclaim you, O Lord, but in this time above all to laud you yet more gloriously when Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. Through him the children of light rise to eternal life and the halls of the heavenly kingdom are thrown open to the faithful for his death is our ransom from death, and in his rising the life of all has risen. Therefore overcome with paschal joy, every land, every people exalts in your praise, and even the heavenly powers with the angelic hosts sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Abahov, Pleni sunt celi et terra, Gloria Tuha, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration. 
that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with Saint Damian Molokai, and with all the saints, on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May the sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant, Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you've summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. Remember your servants whom you've called from this world to yourself. Grant that they who are united with your Son in a death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection when from the earth he will raise up in the flesh those who have died and transform our lowly body after the pattern of his own glorious body. To our departed brothers and sisters too, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, when you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. For seeing you, our God, as you are, we shall be like you for all the ages and praise you without end. Through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Row him and with him and in him, 
O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Precepti salutaribus moniti et divini institutioni formati, audehimus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celes, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et demite nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos demitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days. And by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter into my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon The Lord has risen and shown his light upon us, whom he has redeemed by his blood. Alleluia. For those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally in Holy Communion, we invite you to pray an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. At the Lamb's high feast we sing praise to our victorious King 
who has washed us in the tide, flowing from his wounded side. Praise we him whose love divine gives his sacred blood for wine, gives his body for the feast, Christ the victim, Christ the priest. Where the paschal blood is poured, death's dark angel sheaves his sword. Israel's host triumphant go through the wave that drowns the foe. Christ the Lamb whose blood was shed, Paschal victim, Paschal bread, with sincerity and love, eat we manna from above. Mighty victim from on high, powers of hell now vanquished lie. Sin is conquered in the fight, you have brought us life and light. Now thy banner thou dost wave, conquering Satan and the grave. See the prince of darkness quelled, heaven's bright gates are open held. Paschal triumph, paschal joy, Sin alone can this destroy. Souls from sin and death set free, Glory in their liberty. Hymns of glory, hymns of praise, Father, unto you we raise. Risen Lord, for joy we sing, Ever with the Spirit be. Let us pray. Hear, O Lord, our prayers that this most holy exchange by which you have redeemed us may bring your help in this present life and ensure for us eternal gladness through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in the peace of Christ. Regina Jenny, let our reign. Alleluia. Qui aque meruisti portare. Alleluia. Resurrexit. Sicut exit, Alleluia, ora pro nobis Deum, Alleluia. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Blake Pellerin from Arrows Rugby, Houston's only 